1: Uh huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top, Mm. researching rookies a lot. No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular, I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Uh. Browning, Brunning, Bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah.
4: What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. It is Thursday. I've got Matt Fox with me, Dennis Bennett, and if you look right below me, John Lobb is joining us to talk rookies. We are excited about this. Uh, before we introduce John, Dennis, Matt, how you guys doing?
3: No, I'm doing fantastic. Uh, I lost my prep sheet that I did to go along with the show sheet, though. So if I seem <laughs> distracted, it's because I'm frantically trying to find it. Uh, I decided to restart my computer, and now it's not uh, where I left
4: it. That's right. Just wing it. You, I know you got all that knowledge stored up here. Just wing it. It'll be all right. <laughs> it we would,
2: it wouldn't be a Thursday if Dennis didn't have to restart his computer at least once.
4: That is very true, but if you are watching live or if you heard him laughing there just a second ago, we've got John Love with us. You can find him at GridironSkull91 on Twitter. He is an FSWA member, co-host of the CFF on Campus podcast, part of FF Diehards and the NFL Draft Bible. If you follow him or if you follow me, I'm always retweeting his stuff with Matt Hicks. They do a ton of uh, rookie breakdown stuff, which is awesome. I love those two together, breaking down film and doing everything they do on those prospects. And that is what he is joining us here to do. John, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to talk rookies with us. How are you doing today?
2: I'm doing great.
4: I absolutely
0: love the month of April. Baseball's back. It is NFL draft month. And I'm at the Fantasy Football Roundtable. How can life get any better than that?
4: I mean, I think if you won a million dollars, life would be a little bit better. Okay, but okay. That, that's the only thing. <laughs> that, yeah, it is great. So, John, tell us a little, bit about, a little bit about yourself. We've had you on a couple times here, but just for any new listeners we've gotten, tell us a little bit about how you got into the industry, what your favorite thing is about it. And and uh, we can see your favorite team. Uh, you, you represent a team uh, that is loved by another one of the co-hosts on this podcast.
0: Yeah, I've been a Broncos fan since 1977 when um, Craig Morton and the Orange Crush defense, they went to the Super Bowl against the Cowboys. Unfortunately, they lost that day. I was crushed as a little man. But then I got lucky by 1983, the Broncos drafted John Elway, and that was it. I, I, I was no, clearly
3: The Broncos drafted Chris Hinton.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're you're right. Yeah. Um, So I got Elway there. So I've been with them forever. Been lucky enough to um, see eight Super Bowls with Denver in it. They've won three. So I'm a very lucky man. Um, And I've been playing fantasy football for 33 years. 1989 was the first year that I played. My first pick ever was John Elway. Then I got very lucky in 1993. I beat $15,000. 15,000 people in a $10,000 contest to win. So I got, I kind of made a name for myself, even though no one cared about fantasy football in 1993. I um, had my own newsletter for three or four years. And then I joined the football diehard.com full time with Amel Cadlock and, and Bob Harris back in 96, 97. Um, I did player rankings and sleepers for like 20 years. Then I went, now I do DFS um, for them on a weekly basis during the season. And I've been doing, this is my eighth year of the Scholar Study Sheets that I post up on footballdiehards.com. Um, so they're up there right now for you to watch. And it's my second year with Matt Hicks doing my um, the NFL Draft Bible, and that is the Draft Seminar Series. Right now we have 40 rookies up online that we've broken down and each episode is about 10 minutes long so that's how I got here in a very quick uh, segment
4: yeah and again the draft seminar series is awesome I I love watching watching you two together Matt Matt is amazing at what he does as well I truly respect him and, and you as well it's fun watching especially when I disagree with with the prospect I love hearing your guys thoughts on it though because it makes me go in and kind of look back at my process what's going on Felix so it's, it's always fun. I love, I love watching. I love watching you two to talk shop. So I have to ask, and I imagine I know the answer to this question. But since you know so much about college football, it's going to lead me into my next question here in a minute. Do you prefer college football or NFL football?
0: I now do like college football, fantasy football, and real college football more, and I'll tell you why. It's more I diverse. It. I can watch the spread option. I can watch, you know, four receiver sets, pro set. I can watch dual threat quarterbacks, even though they're entering the NFL now. I can watch power running football. I can watch the triple option offense. I love watching Navy when that offense is clicking. When you have a dynamic quarterback in the triple option offense. And you have a fullback who can run between. It's a thing of beauty, my friends. I love the diversity. The Pac-12 is different than the American Athletic Conference. And you can be up till 2 in the morning watching Hawaii football out on the East Coast. It's just such a fascinating game. And I know people are intimidated because there's 130 teams. But man, I just love all 130 teams. I love the games, and of course, there's more. There's a wider range of competitiveness. Obviously, when you have so Ohio State play in Hawaii, in Ohio, Ohio State, yeah. it's 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 a bludgeoning. But the games are awesome. I love I love college football.
2: Probably doesn't uh, hurt that the Broncos have been unwatchable for the last five years.
0: <laughs> for five years now, right? <laughs>
4: Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I love I love Saturdays. Like if I had to sit yeah. – me and Matt talk all the time because his wife was usually like, well, you can pick one day. And so he picked Sundays. I was like, oh, give me Saturday all day long. Nine at, about 11, 11 o'clock here in Texas to, like you said, one two three o'clock in the morning watching <laughs> football. And my wife can't get mad at me she said she was one day and she's usually asleep too by that point in time. So it's okay to watch the Pac-12 after dark games. So speaking of college fantasy football, you will be – at uh, the Fantasy Expo here in August that Bob Lung has put together. Dennis and myself will be there as well, so we are excited about that. And you have put together a little event of the Kings Classic, which is very well known uh, for what they do on the NFL side, but you're going to be running a college draft. That is something that I am really interested in checking out. Before we get into the rookies, tell us a little bit about that.
0: I've always wanted to do an expert's draft, and I use that term loosely because I guess technically I'm an expert, but that's a different argument for a different day, that's for sure. But I always wanted to do a live college draft. Now, last year, before the pandemic, it wasn't just my idea. There was about a group of four of us who were actually thinking of going to Atlanta and doing it at the College Football Hall of Fame. And then the pandemic hit, so we just, you know, obviously we put it aside. And then this year I said, you know what, I'm going to roll the dice because Bob Lung is a great guy. He's a friend of mine. I've been on his podcast, love his book, love his work. So I said, what would be better than getting together in Canton, Ohio, the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame, And doing the first that I know of. And and if I'm wrong, someone can tweet out to me. But I have never seen a live college fantasy football draft. Siri XM doesn't cover it. They don't talk about it on any major television network. So I said, why don't I ask some of the best friends, best people that I know if they would be willing to join me? And, I, and they said yes. Then I reached out to Bob. Would he be willing to host it? He said he'd love to do that idea. We're actually going to do it on Saturday. Yeah. I believe the Kings Classic drafts take place Saturday and Sunday, and they're mm-hmm. actually at the Hall of Fame. We're going to be at the hotel, which is fine, because there's only a limited amount of rooms. But we're going to be broadcasting it live. We're not sure if it's going to be Zoom or stream, you know, we need basically someone who can hold 12 cameras and we're going to put it up on YouTube on all of our sites. Everyone who's joining us can do can broadcast the live draft however they want, edit it, do whatever they want. And my goal is to make this, you know, I mean, I've been enjoying the labor drafts. And was it tout wars? Yeah. Fantasy baseball for over 30 years they used to be in that magazine Sports Weekly. If you're a kid from the or a young man from the 90s, you remember USA Today Sports Weekly. So I said, "What if we can make this the preeminent live college fantasy football draft?" And I we're going to do it. Not just me. I'm just kind of the guy in charge cuz I've been promoting it, but it's really if it's not for the 11 other 11 people we couldn't get this off and with Bob Lung, he's obviously willing to host it. So away we go.
4: Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. I can't wait the the amount of stuff that Bob's been able to now transform this weekend into because I wasn't able to go the first time and again we we were able to have him on the the Debbie debate last night just talked about everything else they've got going on now too yeah. that said that, that is one of the things that I'm going to make sure I get around to to going and seeing you guys do that because it's gonna be me and the whole campus to Canton crew are are excited about that one because we're gonna we're gonna talk a lot of crap about the bad picks so well yeah, we can't you know, wait to go. You know
0: it's interesting. I'm actually hoping with the rise of Devi
1: mm-hmm.
4: that
0: college fantasy football will get more players. Now I do understand. Last year, I you know, as someone who's been following college fantasy football and its growth over the last twelve years, we had really hit a nice apex, and then the pandem- pandemic happened. And I understand. And we didn't know if we were going to have a season for the longest time. And then there were late kickoffs. So I think the industry kind of took a step backwards. But I'm hoping now with the rise of Debbie and with college football looking like it's going to be on track again for everything to be normal. I'm hoping that we see a big increase in college football this year. College fantasy football. I,
4: I really think we will. I was talking with uh, with them about this last night. You know, I, I with my day job, I'm I'm constantly moving. I have ear, earbuds and listening to Sirius XM radio all day long. It's what a fantasy channel, NFL channel, and uh, never in my eight years of of working there have I ever heard them mention the word Devi. And then the last year and a half, they've been talking about it more and more on Sirius XM. So I think it's it's really on the come up. I think it's the next kind of super flex format. It's going to be that thing that everybody's talking about in a couple of years that everybody wants to play it. So I'm I'm excited for it. Like I said, I know the whole our whole website over there is we can't. That's one of the things we're all excited about going to go and look at Saturday. So I can't wait to go see you, see you guys pull it off, but. Everybody else, if you're not here for college football talk, we are going to talk (laughs) about the rookies. And Matt – I'm sorry, Matt. John, you mentioned doing with Matt the uh, the draft seminar stuff. Both of you guys do a lot of scouting, a lot of watching these players. So we're going to start with the quarterback position. It's the most important position on the NFL field. When you're scouting quarterbacks, what is the most important thing for you to watch? Now I'm sure
0: my friend Dennis over there is going to know exactly what I'm talking about. Cause him and I, you know, we have a little few years underneath the belts here and this really is not my genius idea, but it taught me decades ago, how to watch the quarterback. And it's from Bill Walsh, the feet, the feet, the feet, the feet, you've got to have good feet. You've got to command the pocket. You've got to be able to throw off platform you got to be able to avoid the pass rush. Now you got to be able to throw the football outside of structure of the play. All of it comes down to footwork. And one of the reasons why Bill Walsh talked about if you remember Dennis no, is it Dennis Cook? Is that the quarterback Greg Cook? The first quarterback he had in in 1969 Bill Walsh was with the Bengals and they drafted a quarterback named Greg Cook and Greg Cook put together one of the great Rookie seasons, you got to go back, you got to understand rookie season in 1969 is not what we have in the modern game. But Greg Cook had a lifelong injury that destroyed his career. And then he got Joe Montana. If everyone remembers, Joe Montana was a third round draft pick out of Notre Dame. And the, it, I think he wrote about it in his book, but I saw it in an interview somewhere with Bill Walsh. And they said, why do you like, why did you like Greg Cook? And why did you like Joe Montana when they were not? Very popular players elsewhere. And he talked about their footwork, their absolute ability to avoid the pass rush, manipulate the pocket. And if you remember, Bill Walsh, the West Coast, he used to get Montana out on the edges and be able to roll them out. And the classic play of the catch. The key to that was Montana rolled right, was able to keep his feet settled and throw the football. I still, to this day, I look at footwork, and then the second, it's close, but it would be what I call, and this is from a friend of mine, Matt Caraccio. He talks about the ability to problem solve. In today's modern world, when you have Vaughn Miller crashing down on you, and you have these linebackers are 250 pounds and run a 4-4-5, you better be able to not only avoid them, But you better be able to solve a problem in real time like that and find the open man. And that's what a guy like Josh Allen is taking his game to the next. He is an incredible problem solver. And so is Patrick Mahomes. You know, we look at him throwing the ball underhand, throwing across. But ultimately, to me, what makes Patrick Mahomes special is he's actually solving problems there. I can't throw the ball over someone. I'm going to throw the ball around someone. That's problem solving on the football field. So footwork and problem solving.
3: Well, I know right now part of it, part of what happens with, when they think footwork now, a lot of times they think rushing. Rushing, it's It's all Konami code. And that's not it. It's can you keep your footwork stable when there's pressure around your legs? Can you keep your feet set? Can you get set so you make an accurate throw? I think that's the biggest thing that Josh Allen did. Uh, I mean, his accuracy jumped, I think, 12 points from <laughs> last no, season. That was three. unbelievable. Or from 20 to 20, 19 to 20. It was a, I mean, I expected it would go up a little. I didn't expect a 12 or 13-point increase. So I was a little lower because he's been historically inaccurate. We'll see in the next couple of years, was that an outlier year or is that the did he really make that type of growth? So getting the footwork—that's I, I think that's why sometimes you know Lance Wilson, Fields, and Lawrence are all better prospects than Mac Jones because of the X factor. I knew, factor. You're,
1: I knew but you're Mac Jones
3: there. has good footwork. He he, makes, he, he he does the right things with his body. Yes. He doesn't have the feeling. But he he's probably gonna get taken higher than I would I would take him. I, I like the top of this quarter. You know, this quarterback class could have five quarterbacks drafted in the first round, and the rest of them not drafted until day three.
0: I agree with you. None <laughs> of them should be drafted until day three. <laughs>
4: All right, so let's let's get your your top five here, John, because Dennis and Matt and myself have already given our top five on a previous episode. I I, I kind of think I know where you're going because I've, I've paid attention to to one of yours, and I will give you a shout out too. I saw your tweet earlier that uh, you tweeted out at the I think it was the beginning of last year, the college season, that Mac Jones would end up being a top five pick. Which for those of you who don't follow college college would think that's complete heresy because earlier in the year I really thought Bryce Young was going to start over Mac Jones, and then he got no. the job and then had the season that he had. So, But give us your top five quarterbacks for the draft.
0: So I've said for a long time the NFL is going to like Mac Jones more than fantasy footballers. There was no question in my mind. So I've had since January, when I first put together my board, and that's what I tweeted out, Mac Jones is a top five quarterback. And at the time, people thought I was crazy, and I said he's going in the first round. Now, I'll be honest. I thought he was going to go between pick 15 and 25. I did not see him catapulting to number three. But I did think that the NFL is going to like him a lot better than fantasy football and Twitter analysts. You Look at He went to Alabama. He went undefeated in the SEC. He put up numbers that were Joe Burrow-esque. His numbers are unbelievable last year. And this is what I said on a show that I have evidence so you can listen to it. I said, if your job is $2 million a year salary, it's your mortgage payment, your wife, your children, your marriage, and your vacation, are you going to go with the kid from Alabama or the kid from North Dakota State? I'm telling you right now, anyone with $2 million on the line, you're going with the kid from Alabama. It means everything. So I knew the NFL would like him. It's nice to say I want Trey, and I get it. So we'll get to that in a minute. But if you got a $2 million job and you're talking about two houses a vacation, and that home that Cliff Kingsbury has in the (laughs) desert, are you going to bet on Alabama quarterback or a kid from North Dakota? I'm sorry. You're going to bet on the kid from Alabama. It is human nature. So that said, I always take a fantasy slant when I do my rankings because that's ultimately – how I made my name, but I love football. I have Matt Jones five because you don't have Dennis mentioned it. The Konami code. He's not going to get 500 yards rushing, but he's very good in the pocket. He can manipulate the pocket. He's got good footwork. He throws. So I have him at number five because the fantasy upside. Now I could change it. I'm I'm watching more film because number three pick in the draft means something. I mean, what did I miss? Right? What did I mean? What is Shanahan seeing that I don't see? So I—I I, I mean, I'm not done. But right now, he's number five. Trey Lance is number four. Now that I will say this, I had Trey Lance as a top five pick, and I had Joe or um, Mac Jones is number fifteen to twenty five. <laughs> it's it's closing by the minute, folks. And there is one massive red flag about Trey Lance that I cannot get over 17 games played the only first round picks in that ballpark Mark Sanchez Mitch Trubisky and oh the third one I'm missing right now who's less than 20 oh there's another first round bust it'll come to me
3: Achilles Smith
0: Oh well, I didn't go back that far, but you're (laughs) right about it, Billy Smith. But it's within the last ten years. The point is, I'm a little bit old, Bill Parcells here. I like to see thirty games started. Now, I have flexibility if you're playing twenty-eight. You know, not a big deal. Seventeen at the FCS level—that is a monster red flag. Do I see Randall Cunningham and Cam Newton in Trey Lance? Yes, I do. Do I see Josh Allen in Trey Lance? Yes, I do. But there's a lot, a big difference from playing at the FCS level with 17 games under your belt and playing at the NFL. I can't, I cannot avoid that. And that's another reason why the NFL likes Mac Jones also. Because you're talking about an NFL organization saying, I'm going with the kid with 17 starts from North Dakota. That's a tough call. That's hard to sell your owner on. Number three. So those, Jones and Lance are in my tier three. My tier two is Justin Fields and Zach Wilson. I have Justin Fields three. It is this close, and I love Justin Fields. I'm shocked that Shanahan wouldn't take Justin Fields over Mac Jones. But he knows more about quarterbacking than I'll ever forget. So if that's what him and John Lynch have decided, they see something that I got to look for more deeper. And I'm a Mac Jones guy, but I didn't think he'd go number three. To me, the ceiling of Justin Fields, if everything hits, he could be a special quarterback. He makes some throws that are absolutely brilliant. And the one thing that I don't get, hear enough about with Justin Fields, and Dennis, I'm correct, you're Ohio State fan, right? I am. All right. And, and Dennis knows exactly what I'm going to say. That game against Clemson is one of the greatest individual performances I've seen in college football history. I think his ribs were broken at least – severely, severely, severely cracked. He threw five touchdown passes. Most human beings, myself included, I would have ended up in the hospital if I got hit as hard as he did with a cracked slash broken rib. And that I man, I don't know what they did him at halftime. What, what, Dennis?
3: I went for a checkup just from watching it.
0: <laughs> I mean, that is one... For for that man to overcome that pain threshold is an unbelievable fortitude, determination, and leadership. You cannot tell me one player in that Ohio State Buckeye huddle did not want to hug Justin Fields. And you know the coaches will love him till the day that man leaves this earth for the, what he did in that game. Because you know there was somewheres in that game, the coach said, can you breathe? Can you get back on this field? And he said, yes. I don't know what they gave him at halftime. It's none of my business. But it was definitely no normal drug. Because he came back out and he was flying. And here's the thing, college football, we don't get injury reports. It's not like the NFL. I'm convinced to this day he played with something really bad against Alabama. I think that thing was hurting much more than anyone ever let on. I think that's one of the great individual performances I have ever seen. That's leadership. I don't care about rah-rah. I don't care about speeches. I care about performance, and that's what he did on that field. And I'll tell you this. I've never heard one negative word from a teammate or a coach about Justin Fields. I can't find it at Georgia. I can't find it in high school. I can't find one negative thing about this young man. And you know why I'm telling you this? Because some of the BS rumors that have been going around. So you find me something negative about this young man. I don't care about a scout. I don't care about a reporter. I only care about teammates and coaches. And I understand coaches have agendas. I get it. They want their players in the NFL. Justin Fields is a top flight prospect. But Shanahan sees something in Mac Jones. So here's the thing. We kind of think it's a winner take all Shanahan might like Justin Fields. He just might like Mac Jones as much better. I mean, we don't really know, right? He might think Justin Fields is going to be a very good quarterback. He's just saying, I think Mac Jones is better. Number two, and I feel like I'm the last man standing on Twitter. Love Zach Wilson. I know I get beat up. People are going to tell you all this about the competition. They're talking about off the field. Look, I will say this. There's a higher ceiling and a lower floor with Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson could be out of the league in three years. I'm exaggerating, but it's within the realm because of maturity. But in the right organization. And that's a whole nother question (laughs) going to the Jets. But in the right organization with the proper coaching and putting in an offense that caters to his unique skill set, I think Zach Wilson could be special. I think he could be special. He has certain traits with the arm. And I know this is going to sound crazy, He's an artist in a strange way. He, he he throws the football that no one should throw. And I never – I really started thinking about this in the last year and a half, and I said, why did Marcus Mariota fail so bad? And I went back to my scouting reports. His numbers are silly. If you look at my production model, Mar- Marcus Mariota's numbers are off the charts. You know why? There's no creativity to his game. And he can't solve problems outside of structure. And he doesn't have chutzpah. He does, He will not throw that ball where you can't throw it. And every great quarterback that I've seen for 42 years will throw that football where you're like, what the hell are you doing? Touchdown! I mean, you've got to have that artistry, that chutzpah. And you've got to see the field differently. Patrick Mahomes has it. When you watch Patrick Mahomes, he sees the field differently. He's an artist out there. He's got chutzpah. He's patient. Yes, he's got the tools. But lots of people have the tools and can't play quarterback. Wilson has that at times. Now, he could also be the kid who writes a stick figure on the board, and you don't know what, what the heck happened to his, you know his Monet that he could have made. You know, I I, I think it's kind of like um, who's the lead singer of Guns N' Roses? Alex Rose. Alex. Um, Axel
3: Rose.
2: Uh,
0: Axel yeah. Rose. I think he's like Axel Rose. Could have been great. Nope, I got other things to do because that's one of the greatest albums ever made, Appetite for Destruction. So I I get it, but I I'm going to be optimistic that the coaching staff gets him in the right system and
3: nurtures
0: him. He but so, he can be. His ceiling's out of control, I think. Yes.
3: I have a question, John. So yeah. what does Wilson do better than Fields?
4: Nothing.
0: Interesting. I think he has a little bit more hutzpah and field scheme. The Ohio State – and I'm not using this. This has nothing to do with the previous Ohio State quarterbacks. So let's throw that out because he's better than all those other players we've seen come out of Ohio State. I – believe that the Ohio State offense is so good that they have such elite athletes all over the field and how they scheme open people. Justin Fields looks so good at times that because of the scheme around him, but I think athletically, Justin Fields is probably better athletically. I just see an artistry to Zach Wilson's game that I, that I think if he if a coach lets him nourish, nourish that artistry, and I always go back to Mike Holmgren when he first had Brett Favre in Green Bay, and he'll talk about how Brett Favre frustrated the living daylights out of him because he went from Joe Montana and Steve Young, who were nearly perfect in some ways. But Steve Young was a little bit of an artist too in a different way. But once Holmgren got over that Favre is different and let Favre be Favre, then everything changed in his career. I think the same – listen to Tom Landry with Roger Staubach. Tom Landry with Roger Staubach. Remember, he had the immobile – I think my my screen froze, so I'll stop my camera. I apologize, everyone. Roger Staubach had the immobile Craig Morton. And he wanted a quarterback who played within the structure of his offense and was a good robot. And he had Roger Staubach, and anyone knows his nickname was Roger the Dodger. And Roger Staubach functioned best outside of the structure of the play. And when Tom Landry finally realized that I've just got to let Roger be Roger, and let him run, and let him do that crazy stuff, that's when the Cowboys won two Super Bowls and went to four Super Bowls with Roger Staubach, I think in six or seven years. But Tom Landry had to learn that he needed to let Roger Staubach be Roger Staubach. So I I, I see things like that in Wilson. And I'm using, you got to use your, in my opinion, just my opinion, I got to use my imagination. What can the player become? What if I envision what the talent that I see, the production that I see, what can they become? And I see that in Zach Wilson. And and I, I I'm very close. I do and, and I clearly think Justin Fields should be the third pick in the draft. And then number one, I haven't wavered in two years on this. Trevor Lawrence is the best prospect that I've seen. He's Andrew Luck and Deshaun Watson wrapped into one. He's special. He can make every throw I've ever seen on the football field. And he's so much more athletic than anyone gives him credit for. Trevor Lawrence is an uber athlete. People don't talk about how athletic Trevor Lawrence actually is as a quarterback. That's my top five.
3: Well, I, right, I just wanted to get you to say how good Ohio State was, and I appreciate it. Ah,
0: ah, your offenses, come on, man. The talent that he plays with, it's silly, man.
3: I get it. Wilson doesn't – it looks harder for Wilson, and so therefore he must have to – he must be better because he has to work so much harder at it. It just comes so easy to field. It must be the scheme. I get it. I get it. Ah. <laughs> It's
0: something with my camera. I'm sorry, everyone. No, Obviously. you're you're
4: good. Oh. You're good. All right. Um. Yeah, so, oh, man, I I knew that you were going to still be on the Zach Wilson thing. I, I follow you, obviously, on Twitter, and I saw that stuff, because Felix, uh, we just talked last night. He was probably the one last person on that train with you, and then he dropped uh, <laughs> Wilson below fields last night, actually, as we were recording. so I, I like Wilson a lot. My biggest fear with him, and, and I'm the lowest out of out of the three of us on him. I actually have him at five uh, because of what you mentioned. I, I think he has the biggest chance to bust, and that's what scares me the most about oh, him. My- I can see
0: that. <laughs>
4: I mean like, look at it. Go ahead, John.
0: No, I mean, you know what's gonna happen. I my best friend's a jet fan, and we've been friends for 42 years. We've been talking since seventh grade, and he always is lament. Imagine the number of Sunday night phone calls I received <laughs> after another jet loss. And I said, you know what's you know what's gonna be hard about this? When Zach Wilson busts, everyone's gonna say, I told you so. Yeah. But it's really going to be the problem With the Jets organization They 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 didn't do it with Sam Darnold And I think the Panthers got a steal But this isn't the place for that discussion But I think they're If he fails, the Jets failed him I'm convinced of that But people are going to brag that it's because I told you he wasn't good Now obviously it could depend on how he busts But that, I think that's going to ha- If that happens
2: At least he's not going to Adam Gase
0: No, at least – oh, my God. I mean, that was no favors going to Adam Gase, my friends.
4: So before we move on to the RBs, we kind of mentioned it, but I just want to circle back around and double-check because a lot of people like Kellen Mond. Kyle Trask was a very hot name earlier on in the college season with what he was doing at Florida. There's none of the quarterbacks outside of the top five you expect to be a a viable fantasy starter for a long time. I'm not talking about (coughs) backup, but just like a viable starter.
0: I, I, I'm going to echo Dennis's. I don't have anything but a day three grade on any of these quarterbacks. David Mills, Sam Ellinger, Kellen Mond. Um, I'm trying to think quickly off the top of them. Who else? David I don't Kellen, like Bell, Jamie Newman.
3: White. Yeah, Jamie, Newman. Jamie Newman.
0: Uh, Newman. I don't like any of them. Look it. If I got Sam Ellinger or Jamie Newman in round six, okay, bring them in. Let's see what we can do. I'm not betting any of my franchise. But we push up these below average quarterbacks because teams need them in rounds two and three, right?
2: Well, that's Chicago. We're waiting for him to take (laughs) take Kyle Trask.
0: I was going to say Kyle Trask. He's written all over Chicago.
2: Yeah. Matt was making those jokes uh, a few weeks ago, but now it really seems. uh, it seems like fate for them to roll into the season uh, with Allen Robinson, and now a lot of people are talking about them taking a, a big-time wide receiver at 20, and you so you'll have these wide receivers, but then uh, their option will be uh, the Red Rifle, uh, Nick Foles, for a Trask.
3: <laughs> well, is is there is there a Chase Daniel or a Colt McCoy – in those other quarterbacks a brian hoyer somebody that might uh, win a game
0: i do think if i had to say one i'm not going to go with kellen mond i'm not a kellen mond guy i've seen him he played 47 games at texas a m did you know that i've seen so much kellen mond i do if, if you got to give me a poor man's tim tebow i think it's sam ellinger he has the size, the physicality, and he can score with his feet. So I could see him having like a two-game stretch where he gets like 80 yards rushing, two rushing touchdowns. Maybe he throws for 400 yards and a couple touchdowns. I mean, I think Sam Mellinger will have a role in the NFL.
3: Yeah, I, I, it's it's tough. It, any of those guys after the top five, I think you're picking in your rookie draft as a free agent. You're not really picking them in the draft. You're waiting to see if they can work their way up to second string and maybe handcuffing. So, let's move on to running backs. Quarterbacks, you talked about their feet making play out of structure. What do you look for? What kind of attributes are you looking for in running backs? Vision between the
0: tackles. Everything to me It starts in the middle of the field. And I I remember, you know, I think it was um, uh, Sparky Anderson years ago was talking about middle defense. You got to have a catcher who can throw someone out. You got to have a shortstop who can suck up every ball and a center fielder who can fly down everything. If you get middle defense,
3: you you can win.
0: Yep. You can win in baseball. I've said it. I believe offensive football. Even with the spread offense and all of this, I love it. Don't get me wrong. But you've got to run the football between the tackles at some point. And I think a running back, to me, it is a special trait running between the tackles and finding the smallest of creases and then having quick feet. So I guess it would be vision between the tackles, but – simultaneously, you have to have quick feet, right? And one of the things that I, people say, like, goal line running isn't a skill. I've heard that. I said, you've never watched football. Watch Marcus Allen. And don't tell me it's not a skill scoring touchdowns in the red zone. Look at what Clyde Edwards-Aleer. What did he have, three carries in the opening game, and they never gave him goal line? <laughs> there you go. And they never gave it to him again. You know why? It's a skill, folks. So if I can get a running back with good vision between the tackles and quick feet, I'm okay with everything else.
3: So who's your who's your top five in this rookie class then? I mean, one through three, or most people have one through three pretty well set, and so four and five are where it starts to get squirrely. So what are you looking you at there?
0: It is. So it is Najee Harris, number one, Javonta Williams, number two, and Travis Etienne, number three. Number four, he's the biggest riser in the last six weeks. It is Trey Sermon of Ohio State. And the reason why, it took me the longest time to watch his feet between the tackles. I went back to the film at Oklahoma. Ladies and gentlemen, you want to watch an interesting tape? Watch Trey Sermon as a true freshman against Georgia in the CFP semifinal playoff game. Trey Sermon in that game put out a whooping stick on the Georgia defense. Now, Georgia won and Georgia was a better team. But Trey Sermon was very good that year. He is good between the tackles. Is he going to get the 50 yard touchdown? I don't think so, unless a safety falls down, you know, or a safety gets picked off by the wide receiver that could give him an open all the way. He won't outrun someone. But if you're looking for full 10 yard runs on a considerable basis for a man who is, let me get his size right, six foot, 213 pounds, Trey Sermon is he finds the smallest of holes in traffic. And if I can control the middle of the defense with my running game and keep the safety and the linebackers honest, I can do a lot of things on the edge and deep down the field. So I got Trey Sermon number four. I think he's the best value in dynasty drafts right now. I think he's a third round ADP. I think that's a complete steal if you get him there. Kenneth Gainwell, and I solely do it for pass catching upside. I am a little worried about his ability in between the tackles. I don't think Kenneth Gainwell can ever be a 20 touch runner between the tackles, but I do think Kenneth Gainwell has a very interesting role in the NFL between 13 and 17 touches. Maybe he gets eight or nine carries. And then he gets eight and nine targets. Kenneth Gainwell is number five. And it's mostly because I don't like the other guys that much. I think after Trey Sermon, there's a massive drop-off. I mean, there's just, to me, a massive drop-off at that point. But I'll put Kenneth Gainwell because I think, other than ETN and Najee Harris, who are the two best pass catchers in my system, I think Kenneth Gainwell is the third best pass catcher in this class.
3: Yeah, I I have I still have Gainwell at four. Uh, I have a little bit of concern because he's right around that 200-pound mark. But because he is a, a really strong pass catcher, I, I feel like there's opportunity for him maybe to get out there a little sooner. And if you're not taking a pounding every game, the opportunity is there to have a longer career. Might not have the ceiling of someone like Sermon who could come out and be a Jordan Howard or a uh, 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 jo- uh, James Robinson? Sort of get that type of <clears throat> that type of run his rookie year. Uh, you know, obviously, I think Sermon is a much better pass catcher than Jordan Howard. Uh, <laughs> but getting that getting that type of workload as a as a rookie uh, could very well be something for Sermon. I just feel like his his. Career may end up being short shorter versus Gainwell, who could potentially have like a James White type of career where he lasts 10, 12 years because of the pass catching prowess.
4: Yes, I agree. Is there a guy outside of those top five, an underrated guy? That uh, you uh, you are looking for. I'm hoping you're going to mention the guy that I love because I know you've commented on him as well. But is there, is there an underrated running back that you like? I know I've commented on him, so maybe we're
0: in the same ballpark. I'm going to go Elijah Mitchell, the uh, the Louisiana Raging Cajun running back. I've seen him a ton because I play college fantasy football. If you don't know, the Raging Cajuns have one of the most excellent running games. You want to watch some offensive line blocking, folks. You want to see how you can create a running game? You better watch some Raging cage Cajun offensive line. Boy, are those young men good down there. And their running backs are dynamic. But when I saw his athletic scores, I was blown away. I did not expect Elijah Mitchell to be that dynamic of an athlete. This blew me away. A 4 8 in the 40, 4.19 in the 20-yard shuttle, and 6.94 in the three cone. He's a tremendous athlete. And you know why I like him even more? Because I liked him at Louisiana. He runs the ball between the tackles. Watch the tape. He's good between the tackles. That was his job at Louisiana. The raging Cajuns love to attack the edges with the quarterbacks and their dynamic halfbacks, but they used Elijah Mitchell between the tackles short goal line yardage, all that. I like Elijah Mitchell.
3: Yeah. M- Mitchell, he, you know, on, uh, Kent Platt's, uh, math bo- at math bomb, his relative athletic score, Mitchell scored a 9.5. Uh, again, he's another one of those 200 pounders. Yes. But yeah. I think, you know, Aaron Jones has shown us at five foot nine and 204 pounds. You can be an end zone guy. You can work inside Maybe not twenty-five carries a game for sixteen games, but you can handle a workload if you figure out how to, not to get hit.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, my friends. And ironically, I—I I love we all love Aaron Jones, right? But I do think Elijah Mitchell is even maybe a little bit better goal line than Aaron Jones was coming out of Texas El Paso, right? Wasn't he out yep. of Texas El Paso,
3: Right. Yeah, I think he's a UTEP minor.
0: Yeah, UTEP. So I do think he's a little bit. Co- Better prospect at goal line. I think Aaron Jones was a better overall prospect.
3: Well, I don't know. So, Jones Jones scores a lot of fucking touchdowns. I, it's happy to have Aaron Rodgers.
0: Yes, <laughs> that helps.
2: So, so, John, I take it you know, listening to you talk about there being quite a drop off for you after you get to Trey Sermon, that when if you're looking ahead to rookie drafts, you know, if you don't get one of the top four guys, you shouldn't be pressing to pick up anybody else.
0: No, I'm going to wait until whoever drops to me in the third or fourth round. Like, I mean, I'll just wait because I like Khalil Herbert. I like Elijah Mitchell. I like Kylan Hill. I love Jamar Jefferson. I'll take the last man standing in the third or fourth round. And, and just, unless a landing spot, let's just be absurd. The 49ers take Jamar Jefferson. Then obviously I might think, you know, in the perfect system – but he, his athleticism score really concerned me, but I do love the tape. And we do know you can function as a running back. You know, we've seen players still be successful, even if they're not uber-athletic ability. But that is a little bit of concern with Jamar Jefferson after his program.
2: So, I know. Look, Matt, they finally he finally got to you. You know what I've learned in this last few segments is that John is apparently the biggest Ohio State fan on this uh, podcast because ah! – even uh, even Matt didn't bring up Trey Sermon when we talked about. <laughs> I, I mean, I
4: like, I like, look, I, I and maybe I'm, you know, being a little too, uh what's it, bullheaded in my, my rankings, but I refuse to move Jamar Jefferson down any. I just love him too much. He's too good. I, I love what I saw on tape, and I like Trey Sermon a lot, too. I, I don't get me wrong, but I just, I can't, I can't quit Jamar, all right? We've all got that one prospect, and I can't quit him, so he's not moving. I'm keeping him where he's at.
0: And I'll tell you, you know what it was with Trey Sermon? The 6.833 cone drill and the 4.28, I'm like, ooh, he's a much better athlete than I thought. You know, so that really is what I like the film. Obviously, he's a big man. He runs between the tackles well. But when I see that athleticism in short yardage, I'm like, ooh, he's got some nice feet. That's why I moved him up.
4: All right, so wide receivers, what is the most important thing you look for when you're scouting them? So I used to I
0: used to look for like separation and hands, but I was a little boy and I didn't really understand wide receivers. I don't care about hands anymore. You know, I, I mean it's it's a stat catch rate, I get it. Cortland Sutton was a terrible everyone says he couldn't catch and he had a thousand yard season, second year in the league coming out of group of five. What I am now, what I call immediate separation and i look at it differently for slot receivers than i do for x or z receivers for the x receiver i've got to see separation from press coverage which sometimes is hard in college cuz you don't like you can't even you can't even find press coverage in the big 12 so just forget about it You you know, you're not going to see it. At least when we see SEC players, sometimes in the Big Ten, there will be some press coverage where I can analyze. But can that receiver get off the press coverage as an X or a Z? Can they do it within a second? Slot receiver, I literally want to see separation within half a second. That's what I'm now going – because if you can get – that separation you can help your quarterback in the blitz you're going to get on the field and if you have speed you're probably going to gain separation later in the route but I look for so that's to me immediate separation and it is very hard to find especially like in the back 12 and in the big 12 because they literally just don't press that much on defensive end of football Does that make sense?
4: Yeah. Yeah, sorry. I keep clicking. My mute button doesn't unmute for some reason. So (laughs) I'm I'm breaking my mute button over here. All right, so give us your top five, which I think this is going to be a little bit more interesting because we've seen, obviously, a lot of people, with the way people, different people value wide receivers and certain things in their games, uh, wide receivers definitely been a little bit more mixed than, say, the running backs and the quarterbacks. So who are your top five?
3: Yeah. Absolutely. Are you, I about think pretzels, more... or are you about beef jerky? You know? Give
4: me the press. a
0: wide variety in the top five. My number five is Jalen Waddell. My number four is Elijah Moore. Now, I had Elijah Moore in the top five for the last six months. But man, when I saw that pro day, whoo, flash bulbs went up. My wife and I were dancing. I was so happy. Everything I saw, he is just an athlete. Absolutely loved him before the pro day. And you talk about immediate separation. Elijah Moore gets, oh my God, it's beautiful. He gets immediate separation. And what I like about him even more, he can attack the defense vertically. And he actually is, I know you can't quantify this, he's very tough, dudes. I've seen him get overrides by safeties and defensive backs. And that young man just kept getting up. So he has a level of toughness that I completely like. Number three, Devonta Smith. I'm not going to tell you. It's to me, I don't know how much he weighs. He could be 165. There's not a lot of comps. Look at everyone. I'm not, he is the best route runner in my eight years other than Jerry Judy. Ironically, two Alabama guys. And now it's obviously someone's doing some really good coaching at Alabama. Or they're targeting very good prospects who can route run. Probably a combination of both at the end of the day. Devonta Smith is an extraordinary route runner. I just don't know if he's 165. How much physical pounding can that body take? And what is the ceiling? So that's why I put him at three. I don't think a 1500 yard season is in his realm of outcomes just because I don't think he could take that much physical punishment from safeties. And if some linebackers crack them, you know, I think that's going to be a problem. So I have him at number three because I still believe game football is a game of physical punishment and endurance and being able to take it. Number two is Rashad Bateman. I know I wanted him to be 6'2, 210 pounds as much as everyone. No question about it. Shows up six oh one ninety. Started to read about he had COVID. I get the weight a little bit. I think he could pack on to be 196, 198. I think that's good enough for me. So he's not going to be Cortland Sutton big or strong. But 6'0", 190 is good enough for me. I love the route running. He gets separation. What I do like about Rashad Bateman a lot, he does play a lot of slots but he also played X and Z. What I like about him is if you have a good coaching staff, you can work him pretty much all over the field. I could see him as a big slot receiver like um, Tyler Boyd. I could see him as a Z receiver. I could see him as an X receiver. I like his diversity as far as where I can employ him on the field. And my number one, I mean, I don't think there's – that. well, is there – I guess some people have Devonta Smith number one. It's Jamar Chase. I just – please, he's just unbelievable. And, I, hey, what Justin Jefferson did, I can't – you know, oh, my God, that was just one of the greatest seasons ever. But if we were a year ago and you said who was a better prospect, Jamar Jefferson or or, um, Justin Jefferson, I would have told you it was Jamar Jefferson. That's how high I I was on him. Now I look and I'm wondering, I'm like – Was Justin Jefferson really the better player? (laughs) I mean, you know, but um, Jamar Chase, 6'0", 201 pounds, SEC West, set every record you could until Devonta Smith broke his records, right, in the same division, in the same conference. I mean, what a season this young man put together. Dynamic, physical, tough. I think people don't talk about his body control and his toughness a lot. And I think Jamar Chase can beat you deep. He can beat you on the screen. He can beat you on the intermediate. He's he he can play X and Z. I just love Jamar Chase.
3: So Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson, who's the better? Who's going to have the better fantasy career? <laughs> so, oh my God, that's a good. So I
0: I have to be honest. Prospect to prospect, no, lie to me, I am Jamar. Lie ah! <laughs> <laughs> I am Jamar Chase is a better prospect but maybe I was wrong. I can't discount what Justin Jefferson did. It would be nearly impossible for Jamar Chase to match Justin Jefferson's season. I mean, he had the greatest season of a rookie in the history of the NFL. So I'm going to go with Justin Jefferson right now because he's shown me on the professional level that he's dominant.
3: All right. I'll I'll, I'll let that slide.
4: (laughs) How, uh, how deep do you view, view this wide receiver class, John? I think there's 13 wide receivers that I am very
0: comfortable with acquiring in the first or second round of the draft. And if I get any of them in the third round, I'm really going to dance, put on some music, maybe crack open a beer in my dynasty draft because I think it's 13 deep. I can give you the 13 to six. Nico Collins, Amare Rodgers, Tillon Wallace, Demai Brown, Kadarius Toney, Amon Ross St. Brown, Terrace Marshall. Those, If I get any of those 13 in the third round, I am beyond ecstatic, and I'm targeting them in the second
4: round. Did uh, Maybe I missed it. Did you not say Rashad Bateman? Do you not like Bateman? No, no, Bateman too. Oh, oh, okay. I was about to say, I was like, "Oh my God, uh, what? What did I miss?" Yeah. Okay, no, no. The okay, only okay.
0: one I didn't say was I have Rondell Moore at
4: six. I said yeah. <laughs> I gave you till, but so Rondell Moore is six. Bateman's two. Gotcha. Okay. So I assume the the size doesn't worry you at all, really, with Rondell either. I mean, I know he came in. Was it like five seven? I think right. Yeah, but, five seven one eight. Well,
0: I'll say this: landing spot for Rondell Moore is going to be everything. My final grade on Rondell Moore is going to depend on where he lands. Specifically, does he get to an offense that will employ him in the slot and get the ball into his hands? What was, I think, the stat I saw one of those spider graphs on Twitter. 90% of his targets were like within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. And like 70% were within five yards of the line of scrimmage. I mean, they literally manufactured production for him at Purdue. But if you give me the right team where he can play in the slot and see single coverage, I'm all in. But if you if you put him in a coach that I'm not comfortable with, and if you think you're drafting Rondell Moore to play the Z or the X, or he can't play X, But he is a pure slot receiver at this time.
4: All right, so I know um, obviously 13, that's a very good number, especially with the way some people keep talking about. Maybe this isn't as deep a class as we thought earlier in the year, which I, I somewhat disagree with. If there's one guy out of, outside those top six, so putting Rondell Moore there, you said it's six. Outside of those top six, you can be back end, middle of end, however you want to do it. One guy that you think you'll end up with on more rosters than most other people because you're just higher on him than other people that you see.
0: It's Amon Ross St. Brown. I'm very high on Amon Ross St. Brown. I, I would be ecstatic in the second round I get Amon Ross St. Brown, and in the third round I get Nico Collins. That would be like the idea fantasy draft for me because I I have Amon Ross St. Brown at number eight. I, I don't think people give him enough credit for arriving on USC and being a very good player like we always talk about young breakout age. He walked into a team that was loaded. Look at the USC receivers in the locker room. Remember, Michael Pittman was there last year. Drake London is probably a top five wide receiver in next year's class. Um, who else was there? There's another wide receiver I'm missing. Um, Tyler Vaughn's is there, but who? Uh, Drake in London? You talking about Drake London? No, he's next year. Oh, I think it's another year? another guy in the NFL.
4: What? Uh, oh. I'm trying to think of him. Um,
0: but he's had a busy lock. I don't think he was there when Juju was there. I think he came in the year after Juju left. But I, and I, you know why I like him? He can play slot and Z. And he, you know what's interesting? He's kind of nasty mean. He has a little bit of swagger and anger. And I guess I'm maybe I'm just too old, but I like intimidating. I like players who, who like a little dog in their game, a little chatter, a little talking. I mean, maybe I grew up with the Miami Hurricanes of the 80s too much, who used to talk all the time. But I, I, I like Amon Ross St. Brown. He's going to tell you he's good, and then he's going to try to back it up. I think he's he's very underrated, and he's a good route runner. And I know that's subjective. It's you know people grade route running differently, but he, in my book, he's he graded out as a good route runner, and he's tough, and he can play the Z and in the slot.
3: So, so he's earned the Golden Tate comps.
0: Yeah, I think so. I'd have no problem if he gets Golden Tate career. I love Golden Tate. What a good fantasy asset for years. Right, I mean, I used to love getting him in the fifth round, sixth round. That was beauty.
4: <laughs> all right, John. So last question, because we, we said we'd keep you an hour. We're, we're right at that. So I want to be able to get you out of here. The tight end class, we all know the top three are Kyle Pitts, Brevin Jordan, and Pat Fryermuth. in that order somewhere. Those are usually the yeah, top yeah. three for everybody. Are there anybody else that you really like in this class? And if, if so, who is it?
0: So – Fantasy is a little bit dependent upon NFL. And I think Hunter Long is a very interesting player. going to, If you get him in the fourth or fifth round, I'll take it. Hunter Long, the NFL, I think, is going to like Hunter Long more than we do in fantasy. Because we're looking for upside, right? And I think Hunter Long is a very nice Kyle Rudolph type of player. He should get on the field pretty soon because he can block and he's physical so I like Hunter Long especially he's not going to cost you very much but to me if you're looking for athletic upside it's Kenny Yebaugh of Mississippi I think if he could hit his ceiling athletically I like Kenny Yebaugh a lot but I don't know if he's going to get on the field but I will say this you can't play at Temple if you can't run block Kenny Yebaugh's a little bit better of a run blocker than people give him credit for. So let's see how how many snaps he gets as a rookie. But I think Hunter Long's going to get on the field pretty quick, my friends. So I like Hunter Long, especially at the cost.
3: How about Tommy Tremble? Where are you at with him?
0: You know, he's so, I know, you see, so Tommy Tremble is an NFL tight end. He's going to go, well, I think it seems like he's going to be in the second round but I don't know if the dynasty. I mean, his, his production was so bad. I mean, is he just Dawson Knox number two? I mean, that's kind of what I think of him. And there's nothing wrong with Do- Dawson Knox as an NFL tight end. I mean, they liked him in Buffalo. They're about the same production model, almost no catches at the college level. And, and the NFL is going to like him. So I kind of put him there. I like Dawson as a second tight end on a dynasty team, but he's not going to win you anything. You know he just doesn't get the targets.
4: That's kind of how I look at him. Felix is crying somewhere. <laughs> I was like, oh, there we go. I was about to say, I wonder if he commented. No, he I was, I was looking at. Wrong. <laughs> he uh, Felix loves Tommy Tremble. Tommy so, Tremble is his guy.
2: I think the most important final question is: We have pick nine, John, in the first round. Uh-oh! Depending <laughs> on, depending on what our GM, which I'm going to be honest, I don't care for him so far, depending on what he decides to do. In your ideal scenario, what do our boys do in the first round?
0: Trey, I'm sorry. Justin Fields jumps to us at number nine, and I scoop him up in a heartbeat, and I move on from Drew Locke. Not even a question in my mind. If Justin Fields is sitting there at number nine, and you're playing in the division with Justin Herbert, and um, Patrick Mahomes at least for the foreseeable future, I'd better get a quarterback who has uber upside and is a franchise-changing player. And he he has a ready-made offense with Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, uh, you know, an aging Melvin Gordon, but maybe we get another running back in the third or fourth round. That offense is waiting for a quarterback to unlock that talent. My dream is that Justin Fields is sitting there at number
2: nine. Which actually if, seems remotely possible now since yeah. apparently everybody's decided that he's the worst. I mean, if he is I'm my
0: son and I were talking about this the other day at dinner. I am going to fall out of my seat if he's sitting there at number nine. I mean, it's a dream come true. You're getting a, it's it's just, you're getting a franchise changing quarterback with the ninth pick in the draft, please in, and their offense is
2: not devoid of talent.
0: I mean, it's the perfect Matt, player I can for, for the call- same
2: team next year.
4: You know what? I was about to say, if that happens, looks like I'm going a lot more trips up to Colorado to visit the family. Like, <laughs> yes. Hey, he's a new Broncos fan. I mean, I got a Colorado shirt on right now. I'm ready to go. Let's make this happen. Yeah. I mean that if I had my
0: dream defensive player, let's say new England trades up with Carolina. Let's And they take Justin Fields. <laughs> I want Mika Parsons. I don't think yeah. you can have enough pass rushers. Give me seven. I want to destroy the opposition's quarterback. And if I have Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert, I better run down the quarterback in that division. If I can't beat him throwing the ball, I'm going to try to beat him by knocking the head off the snake. So give me Mika Parsons and Bradley Chubb and give me Vaughn Miller attacking on the edge, and let's see what we got, boys.
2: Yeah, that was who I – I just find it hard to believe Justin Fields is going to drop all the way down. I, I know, feel like somebody's – if he starts sliding even that far, Atlanta has made made it known that they're willing to trade out. I mean, I find it hard to believe Detroit would take him my- either because they can't be thinking Jared Goff is the ultimate answer.
0: But you have the monkey wrench of Trey Lance. What do people think of Trey Lance? What if he goes ahead of Justin? Look at I. What we're reading, and I think it's crazy talk, but what we're reading right now, maybe he's the fifth quarterback. I, I mean, I, if he's the fifth quarterback and we're getting him at number nine, I am so happy. I, I love you, Drew Lock. Time to go. <laughs> Time to go, son.
3: Look, at Fields is the that, fifth quarterback off the board. I'm going to be I told you so in for many, many years. I'm going to be I told you so. I told you. I told you. I told you. Fields is QB2. He is well, Letting him slide to QB5, ridiculous. And you know what? Yeah. I would like him with a little it chip on it. It don't
4: add up. It don't <laughs> add up.
0: Dennis has had that prop all night. He was waiting.
4: He's been waiting for it. He's
0: been waiting for that prop.
4: <laughs> John, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to jump on with us. Uh, let everybody know again where they can find you on Twitter, everything you're doing with NFL Draft Bible, and everything else before we get out of here.
0: Thanks, gentlemen. I had so much fun tonight. You made my day. I appreciate coming on. You can follow me on Twitter at GridironStyle91. I could not afford the A and the R when I signed up, so it's Gridiron skull 91 You can find all my written work at FootballDieHards.com. For the eighth year, my scholar's study sheets are up there. And then go to YouTube and type in Rookie Big Board, and all of our NFL Draft Bible previews are on the Rookie Big Board channel. So thank you very much, gentlemen. I can't thank you enough. But unfortunately, I have another podcast that I got to <laughs> I got another invite. So that's the good news. <laughs> but I can't thank you enough.
4: Absolutely, John. Looking forward to meeting you in August.
0: Have a great one. Yes, I look forward to meeting all of you. If you go, I look forward to meeting all of you. Have a great one. You too.
1: Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. you got your popcorn ready? I came out like the wrong line
0: already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. No one's up above his head. They can't jump with me, Die! Only oh, they tackle him in the four year old Who can make a play?
2: I can! Who can make a play? I can! <laughs> <laughs>